like to introduce you to Tara Mai. She's a co-founder of Bread and Jam, um, which is now the UK's largest community of food and drink founders. Um, she's also launched multiple food and drink ventures of her own. Um, most recently, actually, Tara founded Mahalo. Um, to make it easier for farm shops, delis, cafes, and other independent food retailers to source business from emerging brands. Um, she's a passionate advocate for food and drink businesses, and I thought it'd be great to for Tara to help us explain um, more about Mahalo and what independent food and drink businesses want and need from producers. And this is, for me, actually, having spent a long time on webinars talking about the things that you need to do to prepare before you go to retail. I think this is a, an amazing opportunity to um, sort of have the shoe on the other foot to a certain extent and hear from someone that um, needs, needs you to do the right things in order to retail your products. Um, so on that note, welcome Tara. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, so let's, let's just start with a little bit of background actually. I mean, we've, we've known each other for a few years now through a couple of different businesses. Um, how did you originally get into the food industry? Where did this come from? Um, I, uh, it's not a very glamorous story. Uh, basically, <laughs> um, I, I finished university and I didn't want to get a job in an office. Okay. Um, I hated school. And I thought being in an office is basically like school. Um, and, and I thought, no, I can't. Um, I'm just not going to do that. And uh, I just went around all the restaurants um in in bath and said hello can i have a job okay um, and uh and this very nice man um who worked in the pump rooms in bath pump rooms owned by CSEs, a big corporate catering company mm -hmm. um they took me on um and i was paid like nothing I was paid like five pounds 63 an hour and oh. you clock out when you took a break or if you went for a wee you weren't paid for that either and um but it was it was really interesting to look at how you could make food en masse mm -hmm. um, and yeah. like you think about if you think about the general public they just have no idea they've no idea how food is made they've no idea how it gets into the shops you know people like my mum who are like four pounds for this slice of cake that's ridiculous it's just flour and sugar like you know I was definitely one of those people and so it was fascinating to see um I suppose that was just like my first look into the supply chain like they used a lot of breaks um a lot of freeze-dried mashed potato <laughs> um and, and that was just uh incredible and so I was hooked very good I never knew that <laughs> tell, me, tell me about Mahalo and how that started um what you do and, and how that works yeah sure so Mahalo um Mahalo started in August uh, 2020 so during lockdown um and uh it started i guess because uh because of bread and jam and meeting lots and lots of people who had um you know fantastic products fantastic ideas mm -hmm. but no real affordable route to market um i kind of explored um the the sort of marketplace model yeah. which you know there's lots of them out there at the moment where you basically kind of upload your products and um and then you know you kind of drop ship them to to the retailer mm -hmm. uh, so i dabbled around in that for um for a little bit you know kind of explored the, the sort of tech opportunity but okay. um, i decided that i was going to actually just run an ethical tangible business that mm -hmm. actually did something um and so i um i ditched all of that and i just decided to 
open a, a more, I suppose, tangible wholesale business. So we have a um, organic certified um, carbon positive uh, warehouse in Essex. Okay. We, um, we ship products nationwide. Um, we don't charge listing fees. Um, there's no obligatory promotional spend. Um, our customers really like us because we bring them cool new things and our suppliers like us because um, I suppose we're affordable and we're actually just doing our jobs. We're just getting their product out there. Oh, that's good. That is good. Awesome. Okay. So um, in terms of the types of suppliers and producers you work with, what, what do they look like? Um, I really like things that are new. Um, so if you're new and you're not with a distributor, if you could put your social handle in the chat and then I'll go check it out later, that would be really cool. Uh, okay. um, I hope everyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I like um, things that are new. Um, and I guess things that are, are retail ready in the sense that um, they look good. Um, so they they look, I suppose, uh, like they would fit um, against their competition on the shelf. Um, okay. They are they are well priced. Um, I think taste um, actually just like falls really far down the priority list for me. Um, like taste is lovely, and like generally when people have you know quit their jobs and they've gone completely into into starting this business. Yeah. It tastes good. Like you're going to do something that, you know, that doesn't. Um, and I think a lot of suppliers focus a lot on taste. So they've invested a lot in taste. They they get all their friends to taste it. They get all their friends' friends to taste it. Yeah. But they haven't really thought about price mm -hmm. or life. Um, so, um, so I think those things, the sort of commercial aspect for me is probably the the most important. I think often people haven't thought about their price um, in terms of the whole supply chain. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to undercut the market when you're not considering the rest of the supply chain. If you're selling direct to consumer, you're selling, if you're selling direct to the retailer, then yeah, of course you're cheap because you've not got anybody else involved. And, and it is when you start looking at the rest of the supply chain that you realize that Generally, a jarred product that is 220 grams, you will be 495, 550. Mm -hmm. And what people do, I think, is they go into the shops and they look at other artisanal products of the same ilk. And they're like, but my products only got an RRP of £3.20. I, you know, I don't understand these people ripping everyone off with their £5 RRP. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because they haven't considered the rest of the supply chain. And I think that um, that's a really important thing to note because I think when you're starting out in a business, in any business, there is this feeling like no one else is, um, has seen what you've seen. Yes. And, and you're just like, well, you know, obviously um, I'm going to be cheaper because these people are, are ripping, ripping everyone off. And yeah. I guess the thing to, to note and, and the important thing to gain perspective about is that people have been creating businesses since the dawn of time. And I think it is important to respect that and really, truly understand the market um, before you, you kind of um, think that you can pull a fast one, I guess. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I liken it to having a child, actually. Every time someone has a first child, it's like it's never happened before to mankind. You know, yes, like... exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. So is it the bit that tends to be considered less is margins or um, for other parts of the supply chain or is it other things that you feel get missed as well? Um, well, margins is the thing that I spend most time arguing about. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. And I think that it's, you know, it is such a pleasure to work with suppliers who have thought about their margin across um, across the whole supply chain, but also, so like vertically, but also horizontally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really frustrating for me if um, if someone is listed with one of my competitor wholesalers yeah. and they're undercutting me on price um, or even we're undercutting them on price. Like it's just really annoying if there is any sort of variance, like it should be the same across the board because then then you can work with, you know, lots of different kinds of people and you can sell to lots of different sectors without upsetting anyone. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. In terms of um, um, products and category types, are there specific ones that are working better for you at the moment? Um, I mean, there are things that have always worked, like since the dawn of time, which is basically if you put chili in anything, it mm -hmm. will sell. It doesn't matter what time of year, it doesn't matter what product it is, you put chili in it, it will sell. Um, so that, that always does really well. Mm -hmm. um i think um i guess uh, where i've personally uh seen most success is with international foods okay um but um but then it kind of it kind of just goes and sort of swings and roundabouts right because um there, there has been for my business specifically a lot of success in international foods because i think my competitors have really embraced the sort of British provenance and okay. um, and sort of local flavors. And so um, having cherry picked those producers who are still local, but are doing something with more of an international flavor mm -hmm. has made it stand out. But, but then um, as we have grown now, I'm finding that um, I'd really like to find a good jam. Okay. Right. Nothing, you know, no messing around, nice strawberry and rhubarb is as crazy as it gets. Okay. Nice long shelf life, um, extra jam, no pectin kind of product. Um, and I think that the suppliers in general have maybe perhaps shifted away from that and they're trying to be too um, too innovative. Okay. okay. Um, and there seems to be like a shortage of high quality um, everyday items. Well, that's interesting to know, actually. We had a customer from a couple of years ago, actually, who does a really good jam. I might pass on some details. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm so <laughs> really struggling, please. Somebody. Another thing that I'm really looking for is a decent granola. Um, okay. Breakfast products, I'm so, like, into them at the moment, can't find anything um, or anything that I feel like is good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I feel like I just need to say this is slightly unrelated, but um, stop putting stuff in pouches. I think I was arguing on the food hub the other day about pouches i hate pouches please stop okay. pouches they're awful because uh, the environmental footprint or for another reason uh i mean yes there is the environmental footprint so buyers do kind of object to that um mm -hmm. but also they just look rubbish on the shelf um they you know your kind of mainstream competitors are all in boxes 
Um, I'm thinking specifically about granola because there are a few yeah. kind of emerging granola brands that have great taste and, you know, have invested in the quality of their ingredients and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're just putting it in this stupid pouch. And it's just <laughs> so annoying. Like, how have you created something so beautiful and put it into something so ugly? Like, what were you thinking? Well noted. Well noted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so are you are you finding more general, aside from granola, perhaps, is, is there a particular focus on sustainability, you know, organic or ethical, any vegan, yes. any particular? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, what isn't vegan these days? um i think i think actually of my suppliers who um so there's the vegan and then there's kind of like at the other end of the spectrum which is like full meat like built on um and both extremes seem to be doing really well and i feel really not sorry but i feel like the people in between have a really hard time so people who could be vegan but are not because they use things like honey or if they're an asian product they use things like fish sauce yeah um, it really screws them over because you're not meaty like biltong, but you're also not vegan. And so mm -hmm. you're kind of just stuck in the middle, even though, you know, if you look at just the entire population of the UK, everyone, the majority, you know, fall into that middle bracket in terms of getting listed, in terms of standing out, um, you know, it's an easy way for the buyer to say no. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Actually, we're seeing the same kind of thing in product development. Things are going either way. Um, and we often have a conversation about ingredients that would push something out of being vegan that don't necessarily need, you know, they could be switched. Um, yeah, I mean, honey is pointless. Yeah. It just doesn't add anything. Um, and then you're just not vegan and, and you just, I don't know, screwed yourself. Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, um, we've got a few more minutes just before we open up for questions. So I actually wanted to just get into a bit of logistics with you, actually. So how do, what, how do producers get into contact with you and what do they need to do in order to get their product onto your platform? Um, email me. Um, okay. I, I think um, the, the emails that I... Um, I suppose I find easiest to respond to are really short. They're just like, yo, this is me. This is what I'm selling. This is how much it costs. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is an award I've won. Let me know if you want to chat. Bye. Okay. Uh, that's, that's just, that's just all I need. Um, I don't, I don't need um, all the other stuff. And I think, um, so I suppose I get maybe like, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen inquiries a week. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the ones that are, are kind of just really straight to the point are the ones that um, that I can respond to. And I think having images within the body of your email is also really helpful. Yeah. This is the thing, this is what it looks like, this is how much it costs. Um, I think that's, uh, yeah. Okay, so once, once they've made contact you know, you've established there might be an initial fit. What's the expectation then with regards to providing the right kind of documentation to you? Um, so, uh, yeah, we have a kind of a fairly, fairly standard onboarding process. So yeah. there'll be a um, spec form to fill in. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I guess, um, for, I don't know if, I don't know if all the other wholesalers are doing this, but this is what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so it's, um, for me, I'm always, kind of 
I suppose it is a bit like dating. Like you're always kind of judging to see if this person is someone that you want to get into bed with because. Yeah. Um, so from the way that they're talking to me on email, are they responsive? Um, if we arrange um, to have a phone call, are, are they actually there? Are they ready? Have they prepared? If I've asked for a sample, does it arrive like tomorrow or, mm-hmm. you know, not at all? Um, and after they've sent the sample are they following up like all of these things are almost just like nothing to do with the product yes. but as wholesalers it's really like you know I only have 44 suppliers okay no each each and every one of them really intimately and we talk all the time um which I think is also another thing that perhaps stands me out against my competitors is that they don't really talk to their suppliers very much um but um I think that's really important because for us we're quite responsive with our um customers so if our customers like oh, you know, you said this thing's gluten-free, but, um, you know, these are my criteria for, for gluten-free in particular, and it can't just be made in a separate area. It has to be in a separate site entirely. Right. Find out about this. I want to be able to just WhatsApp my supplier and be like, yo, Paul has asked this question. What's the answer? Yes. Expect to get the answer within the hour. Um, because then I can go back to Paul immediately and, and kind of maintain my levels of customer service. Yes, that's good. Um, so all of yeah all of this stuff is 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 very much more about the working relationship than than the product okay that's really interesting I talk about finding manufacturers in the same kind of way actually a bit like dating you know you you know establish a relationship and a response and um when we're looking for people to work with our customers we will actually you know if someone's not responsive enough I'm afraid they don't make the cut um one way or another um samples also is a really good way to to show your professionalism and and kind of dedication to what you're doing um a lot of people um they send they kind of send me samples like as and when they feel like it so we'll have a great conversation and i'll say okay look could you send samples and they don't appear for like months and then randomly i'll get this box with no note with some random thing in it Um, and i don't know i guess um, with that sort of thing, you have to be ready. You have to be professional. I mean, you know, I don't know if you ordered something from ASOS and it arrived 12 weeks later. Yes. Not be impressed. No, no, that's fair enough. I mean, that's a, it's gen- that's generally good guidance in doing business, I think, more than anything else. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm surprised by how... Um, how on unusual um it is and and so that does mean however that if you are that kind of person if you are organized um that it is much easier to do business with you and you will get listed faster yeah yeah absolutely so it sounds like being ready to come to you with with all your product information and your costings well done is a is is a good move whether it's you or or another retailer yeah, I guess like, uh, you know, with pricing, I know that it freaks everybody out and, you know, more than happy to have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that is that is my job. Like that is what we do every day is is help someone with their pricing. But it's yeah. it's also, I guess I wanted to be clear, kind of not a hammering down exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a supplier actually that I've just listed and I was just like, I don't think you should be selling it to me this cheap. Like you're not going to make any money. Right. Let's look at it again. Let's look at, you know, where we can pull back that margin for you because, you know, if I'm going to invest in you, so just for, for kind of context, whenever we take a new brand on, it costs me about two grand. Okay. 
um, in in staff time, in warehouse, in um, in onboarding them, like it is significant. And so I'm not going to hammer you down on price because you know if you're just going to be broke in six months, that's my two grand down the drain too. Yes, yes, quite. Yeah, that's quite interesting actually. I, I I'm not sure a lot of people considered the cost of um, to the potential retailer that they're going through onto as onto onboarding them and how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, I'm gonna. I have got loads of other questions I'd love to ask you, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna start. Um, if anyone wants to unmute and ask Tara questions, feel free. But I'm just gonna start because um, Prasant asked a question quite early on about margins. Actually, um, he was saying that most distributors charge, in or his view, about thirty percent. Um, and he was asking, you know, do you, is that what you typically charge, or I mean, do you have a standard margin that you try and work to, or? Yeah, kind of around there. Um, I think um, the, the most important thing to note about that is um, so that you can see in, in his question, he's asked about the cut. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I prefer the word margin, like, sorry to be pedantic, but I'm not cutting anything. I'm not stealing anything. <laughs> um, you know, the, the margins are really tight for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, if yeah. I, I've actually, I have some interns working for me, so I, I was going to ask them to make a little infographic of like the sweat that it takes to get one jar of something onto onto the shelf in the shop and then off the shelf into someone's house. Mm -hmm. um, it is it is huge. So just for uh, just you know to be transparent, so my fulfillment costs are anywhere between nine to twelve percent. Mm -hmm. It's like that is just money like. That I'm just not flushing down the toilet, so to speak. But you know that it's just gone. That has to go on fulfillment, and there's there's nothing you can do about that. Um, and I suppose um, if you think about it, like it, you know, to send something that's 20 kilos nationwide, um, I think, you know, if anyone's ever done any kind of e-coms, you know, it costs you anywhere between six to nine quid. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cheap if you consider, you know, if you were taking a train to Scotland. Yes. Um, it's it's just nothing. Um, and so, you know, that nine to twelve percent, unfortunately, has to stay, and it, it kind of is what it is. And then, um, then there's the the sourcing, then there's um, there's quality control, there's marketing, there's sales, um, and all of that has to fit into our our you know little tiny margin. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's this real kind of misconception, I guess, about how how much the um, the retailer and the wholesaler takes. Um, and unfortunately, that the sad fact of it is we're all trying to, you know, put food on our table. Um, so generally, I guess, like, you know, just for everyone's benefit, if they're trying to work out their pricing, they're trying to work out their costings, go for like 52% um, off, 52% margin off the RRP is mm -hmm. what we need to be giving to the supply chain. Um, and then, you know, I think you have to kind of do a top down, bottom up. Um, type exercise with your pricing and make sure that there is that um elasticity there yeah because um, also i suppose everyone kind of needs to bear in mind that the rrp is just that's recommended right so they're not yeah. they're not everyone's going to stick to that and you can't yell at them if they don't <laughs> like that's kind of their choice no that's that's <laughs> fair enough that's really useful can you can you Tell us, I mean, you don't have to name names, but uh, have you got some producers that are doing particularly well um, through you at the moment? I think, um, 
I'll talk about my favorite producer. One of my, I shouldn't have favorites, but, <laughs> uh, but I just I, I think he is so cool. Um, and uh, this is Momo Kombucha, Josh. Okay, of Josh, like he is so organized, um, and his pricing is is just a work of art. Like it is just beautifully standardized across his wholesalers, um, and. <laughs> uh he um uh, so he does drop shit for us but he like mm -hmm. i'll email him and i always get a response i mean i don't know what this man does he just stares at his inbox all day but um he is so efficient um and he is just such a pleasure to work with um and people love his product because um it's it looks great it's you know really nice and hipster um there's you know thought and and care that's gone into his uh production um, I just think this man is just like world-class attention to detail. Um, he should be just super proud of what he's done. So he's got his own facility um, in Vauxhall. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't know exactly what his, um, you know, how he's got the funding to to sort of pursue his business, but I think it has all kind of grown organically. He's yeah. had a lot of direct accounts. Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that he's really well-versed in how to manage his customer service. Yeah. Um, he's really well, um, well versed in his sales cycle um, and how he manages his payments as well. It's just, uh, you know, I think he just stands head and shoulders above um, every, the vast majority of suppliers I've met who are perhaps um, a lot more focused on product um, right. okay. uh, than anything else. That's really interesting as a message coming up today, actually, just that, yeah, the, the, the relationships, the communication, that, that, that focus. Um, oh, another question. Um, what sort of MOQs do you, would you expect um, for your suppliers? Uh, well, I mean, we're, so because we're wholesalers, we, it's much larger, I guess mm -hmm. we talk in terms of pallets. Okay. Than than kind of individual units or cases. Okay. Um, but I don't know, I suppose like what might be helpful to know is that retailers, um, so retailers will generally talk in terms of cases and cases are generally sixes or twelves. Yeah. Um, bulk standard single outlet farm shop or deli independent um, will be taking one case per SKU per month. Mm -hmm. It's kind of something to and to work towards and, and you know if you think about that that's only six units yeah um so it, it's important to kind of i suppose have that that sort of context in mind perhaps when you're thinking about your logistics i guess because our our volumes are quite high we don't really worry too much about um moqs because they're they're usually kind of in case terms like we do have some um some suppliers that only i suppose their moqs are kind of relative to like pallet layers okay um, but I don't know if that's really that helpful. I think it varies is the short answer. I, I think that the case per whatever farm shop per, you know, per drop or whatever is quite useful, actually, if you're trying, if you're thinking about putting together a sales strategy, you know, and what your demand might look like. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, an MOQ to a retailer of like three to four cases is like totally, mm -hmm. totally normal, but then you will be kind of restricted to people who are real sort of champions of your product or your brand 
So they're the people that you go in there and you know the by by you know by name and you have a you know he laughs and you laugh and you have an amazing relationship and all this stuff, but that's very time intensive. And so that's great in your kind of local area. And then when you start looking at wholesalers and distributors, um, that MOQ conversation, I don't know, isn't as relevant as it was. No. Okay. No, that's interesting. Well, I'd just like to say thank you very much, Tara. Really appreciate you joining this morning. Um, if you've got specific questions, either for Tara and Mahala, you know how to contact her, or, um, or for ourselves in terms of preparing, ready to go to retail. Do you get in direct contact with Google. us? Sorry, my doorbell's going. I've got to go. No uh, problem. Thank you very much well, for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website, www.froghop.co.uk. You can book a free of charge introductory call at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash resources.